Hi there, welcome to the Matthias J. Barker Podcast. My name is Matthias, I'm a psychotherapist from Spokane, Washington, and this is a podcast about mental health and moving towards what's meaningful, even despite hardship. I am so excited to share this episode with you. It's been one that I've been looking forward to reposting and reflecting on, and you know, even as I was listening back, I recorded this episode a year ago, and I was just remembering that season of life that I recorded this in, and just the struggle of kind of establishing my career and moving from school into the professional field. And, and, uh, I think I was just thankful. I was thankful for all the mentors that I had around me at that time and still do people like Russell Colts, who's an expert in compassion focused therapy. He's been a direct mentor of mine for a while. And, and, uh, I mean, a lot of these ideas that I'm sharing with you, um, were from him and, and unbeknownst to him, I, I think I would just ask, questions you know posing as it as as if it was like a clinical situation or I had a client that was wondering this or that or but it was really just me exploring my own stuff and um and he was really generous and kind he probably caught on that's what I was doing but but uh I don't know just gave me some pieces and some skills to hold that actually made the self-criticism and the judgment or the shame or just the uncertainty around establishing yourself in a new career uh doable and not just doable, but profoundly meaningful. That you actually didn't have to get over all the self-judgmental thoughts and feel all confident before you could generally enjoy what's right in front of you. That you can kind of hold those things at the same time. So, um, this one's for you, Russell. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. It's uh, one close to my heart. Most people don't know that they're self-critical. They don't think that those negative thoughts, the negative self-judgments are, you know, anything wrong or unusual. It's kind of like the water they're swimming in, right? They're just true. Um, Those are just the facts, you know? So that that makes making a video about self-criticism kind of tricky because uh, the people who need to watch it don't know that they need to watch it. And, And also, it's not exactly like you can make a video criticizing people for being self-critical. You know, that kind of defeats the purpose. So uh, so what I'm going to do today is share a little bit about my own story. <clears throat> share a little bit about my own struggle with self-criticism. And, and maybe there'll be some pieces that are helpful. Um, some pieces that might parallel themes in your own life or someone, you know, that you love. And maybe there'll, there'll be some insights that you could take away because I've, I've struggled. I've struggled with this immensely. And I've worked really, really hard to try to find maybe strategies and ways of thinking and ways of thinking about myself, just the struggle of identity formation to be in a place where I feel, I don't know, compassionate towards other people and, and towards myself. Um, my biggest insecurity is, is in my intellect and in my academic ability. I um, have chronically been worried that I'm just not smart enough to do the things that I find meaningful and that I want to do in life, and and that I won't be able to uh, match up to the expectations of others or the expectations I have for myself, and and this has followed me since fifth grade when I was held back a year in fifth grade for um, I don't know flunking everything, and uh, I carried C's and D's in high school all the way through and barely got into college um, on academic probation and and got like C's and B's in college and. And then barely got into my master's program, and um, you know, so there was there's kind of this, I don't know, 
series of events that reinforce this idea that I am incompetent and I don't have what it takes to be able to do the things that I really want to do in life. And like I remember I was in my master's uh, uh, internship. So part of my master's program is I did an internship for like nine months with an organization that did counseling for uh, mostly foster kids. And, and I absolutely loved it. And um, but so I remember first day uh, I was sitting in the meeting with kind of the larger staff and uh, there's like 50 people in the room and uh, they were introducing the interns and they asked each of the interns to kind of just say their name and where they went, where they're going to school and um, their specialty, which is a funny question because interns don't have specialties. They've never counseled before. So, uh, so everyone was going around and I'm trying to think what my specialty is and, and um, recognizing the inherent humor and having a specialty as an intern, I wanted to make a joke. Okay, so what's my specialty? Uh, and then, so it got to me and, and I was like, hi, my name's Matthias. I'm, I'm going to Northwest University and my specialty is uh, supervillains. And no one laughed. No, no one at all. The whole room was completely silent and uh, you could hear a pen drop. And I was like, oh no, that was not funny at all. <laughs> I was horrified. And, um, and then the guy introducing the interns was like, all right, uh, next. And moved to the next person. And I was just like, I'm done. I'm done for. And, and here's what happens, that the self-criticism immediately shot in, right? So it was like, gosh, Matthias, if you don't have the awareness to be able to make a joke, how are you going to have the awareness to attend to any of your clients? If, if you don't have the ability to even just make a few people laugh, how are you going to be able to relate to all the different personalities and the diverse people that are going to sit in your chair one day? Like, you're not cut out for this at all. You're not good at this even from the start, like, how are you ever, you know, it just kept cascading from there. And here's something good to know is that self-criticism, the reason it does that, the reason those thoughts just like shoot in immediately is self-criticism is trying to protect you from future shame. Sit with that for a moment. Self-criticism, the reason those criticisms zoom in is because they're trying to protect you from feeling the shame that you're feeling currently again. But it's doing that by just lambasting you. It's pointing out all the negative pieces, maybe in the hopes that you'll, you know, take that feedback and then improve upon it so that you don't do that again. But, but often that just leads to discouragement and complete apathy and feeling paralyzed. Giving up feels like a way more reasonable thing to do than trying harder. Especially when the self-criticism kind of gets out of control. And, um, and uh, well, I'll, I'll continue. So I... I remember I was at a conference with the same kind of internship team, kind of like a one day training we did at a conference center. And, and I was walking up with my coffee and there's like a group of like five people all kind of standing in a circle and, and uh, they were all talking and they laughed and I walked up and I'm like, hi guys. And, and then everyone got quiet. I was like, crap, 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 crap. What were they talking about? Were they talking about me? Like, did I walk in and I just killed the vibe of the whole conversation? They don't like me at all, do they? If it, and then the self-criticisms came back, man, if they don't like me, then then my coworkers probably don't like me. And if, and if like my fellow interns and students and coworkers don't like me, none of my clients will like me. Like, and it just kind of starts spreading. And that's also something to know about self-criticism is that it's contagious. It kind of spreads outside of the situation and, and it finds these links that, that have really no evidence whatsoever, but they kind of read in the intentions of what's happening and, and then um, try to build a safe wall around you so that you won't experience shame, right? but out of faulty assumptions. Because the reality is like, I don't know what they were laughing about. Who knows, maybe they just told a joke and then I walked up at a, I don't know, a reasonable place to change the topic of conversation. 
maybe they um maybe they like me just fine i just walked up and they you know people are like okay here he is and, and just started talking about something else like i read into that in a pretty unique way and then cascaded into a series of self-criticisms that weren't about that situation that were actually about my own insecurities around being a therapist and a clinician and and uh and so it kind of continued from there and so hey you know what's interesting is the rest of that day actually as i'm remembering was filled with me trying to prove to other people that i'm valuable right it's like because sometimes that self-criticism leads you to giving up but other times the kind of the alternate extreme is to like anxiously perform okay and, and really key in on the word anxious because it's not like you're just happy to be there and it's like you know what yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna show these people that I bring something to the table and this will be fun. It, it's not that ever. It's always like, ah, I got to perform. And if I don't, I'm worthless. And just like you're trying and trying and trying and trying with this anxiety that ultimately undercuts any of the, I don't know, positives that you bring to the table. Um, well, that's an exaggeration. It doesn't always undercut. It has the potential to. Because I was trying to take leadership roles in the group activities and I was trying to like speak up in group discussions and I was trying to share my opinions and come off smart and insightful. And so then two things happened. One was um, I actually started, people kind of started to avoid me a little bit because I was so eccentric and just kind of outspoken and intense that it was probably kind of off-putting, right? And, um, and that's maybe a natural consequence of actually trying to come off any particular way is that people kind of smell that and you're like, hmm, that's weird. And you have something going on in your world that isn't, that you're not being, you know, forthright about. So I'm going to get some distance from you. And so that the, um, maybe the actions that the shame inspires actually create more shame. Does that make sense? It's like a reciprocal thing. So the, the fear that I have is propelling me to act in a certain way that's bringing about the thing that I fear. Um, another thing that happens is I had a couple of people come up to me, kind of some older clinicians that just saw what I was trying to talk about in the group discussions. And they were just like, hey, I really liked what you said there. That was really cool. I liked that idea. Um, you're going to be a great therapist. And I could not accept that advice I, I, or uh, that feedback. I wish I could, but I remember them saying that and being like, you have no idea. Because here's the reality is like, I was trying to come off smart. I was trying to come off competent. I was trying to come off confident I and the reality is that I wasn't feeling that way at all and so when someone praised me for the outcome of my anxious confidence I felt like a fraud and and I felt like there's gonna be one day where I can't keep that up and then you're gonna realize that I'm not any of the things that you just said I was and I'm gonna let you down and then you experience the maybe the consequences of that catastrophe before it happens And that's uh, unique, huh? That someone can put forth a criticism towards us and we accept it wholesale, but someone put forth a praise and we find a way to talk ourselves out of it. Um, Self-criticism often feels like the truth. It feels like obvious facts, but it, it oftentimes fills in assumptions, reads into intentions with very little evidence, and then builds games that are built to lose. Soak that in for a sec. It builds games that you are that are designed so that you lose them. So what's the alternative? You know what? What could I do instead? Well, I want to present two things to you, and they're two things that have been so freeing. Like, I can't overstate it. They've been um, 
transformational in my life and and also I've seen them be transformational in the lives of other people like tons of my clients who struggle with maybe similar things that I do I've just found these ideas to be liberating and not liberating in the sense of like oh it just fixes the problem instantly but like they're like tools tools that you use and you practice and you get better at over time and so um, and the two thoughts are pretty different than each other so one would be based in something called uh, CBT which is um, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy or the other one is in compassion focused therapy so I'll talk about the CBT one first as we said before self-criticism typically makes a lot of assumptions and acts with very little evidence and so it's helpful it's helpful to actually notice when a self-critical thought enters your mind to kind of hold it in view and then think what are the assumptions and the evidence that this thought is working off of and if it doesn't have the evidence, then it's probably not something I need to be worried about. So for example, walking up on that group of friends, you know, when everyone's laughing, I'm worried, were they laughing about me? Do I think, do I have evidence that they're laughing about me? No. Is there like any sort of reasonable explanation for why they could be laughing outside of that? Yeah, like they could have been laughing about anything. Okay, so I don't need to spend into a depressive cycle. It's evaluating the evidence, evaluating the reasonableness of those thoughts incredibly liberating and so for example the um, the contagious effect of self-criticism this is really helpful too so when when you fail at telling a joke and then the self-criticism says if you don't have awareness of this you won't have awareness of you know being a counselor okay what's the evidence what's what's the assumptions there the assumptions are that those two things are deeply intertwined and connected and they're not telling a joke and and uh, being a clinician are totally different activities require totally different sets of insights and competencies. Um, they're two totally different games. Comedians can't be counselors and counselors can't be comedians. They're, <laughs> they're totally different. And, uh, and there's space also for the fact that I've told jokes that are funny before. And just because I fail at one joke doesn't mean I fail at all jokes. And just because, uh, you know, so it's, it's being able to kind of assess those things and look at it uh, from the lens of just reason, the lens of evidence. And that's been really helpful. Now, this next skill is something that's actually protective for people who that, that first thing doesn't really work it out well at all. And, and, and the second one would be maybe to notice the effect that the self-criticism is having on you. So whether or not it's true or false or whatever, whether or not it's reasonable, like that's not necessarily the focus of this next skill. The next one is just to focus on what's the effect it's having on you? Do you feel more motivated? to actually do something and to actually like ascend to the standard that you have in your own head when you limbast yourself with criticism? Do you, um, do you feel like, oh, okay, yeah, you're right, I suck. Okay, I should not suck. And then you like rise to the occasion or do you feel less and less and less likely to actually make the changes that the critical self actually wants you to make? Do you feel more deflated or more inflated with that self-criticism? Notice that. My guess is deflated. Or if you are inflated, it's like I said, that, that anxious performance that actually, you know, I don't know, saws the branch that it's sitting on. And you end up at the end of all that feeling depressed and deflated anyway. And then just ask yourself, is that even what the self-critical uh, part of you wants for you to just deflate and not do anything? Like when you really sit there and you really hear that critical voice, that voice that's just lambasting you. Is that really what it wants is for you to just completely give up and do nothing? Or does it actually have some standards and some insights for what you could achieve in life? And if that's the case, then I don't know. If you were compassionate, 
towards yourself? What would that look like? Would that inflate you or deflate you? If someone just came along and was just like, hey, it's okay, you matter. Like, you can do this. Like, this is really hard. And you're figuring it out. And there's pieces here that you don't have a full grasp of yet, but you're learning and you're trying. And if you keep pressing on, there's hope. And immediately, some of you right now are hearing that critical voice like, oh, that's nonsense. But, but, but hold it with me just for a moment, okay? Even if it's in a fictional world, just hold it with me. Do you feel more inflated or deflated when thoughts like that enter your mind? Inflated, right? Do you feel more likely or less likely to give a second shot, to actually try, to, to ascend to the things that the critical self actually wants you to do? Probably more, right? So noticing that effect and noticing the effect of this self-criticism is actually counterproductive to, to what I want in life and the effect of just some self-compassion, some self-encouragement. You know, not lying to yourself, but, but genuinely believing and having hope for yourself. That creates a positive effect. That actually pushes you forward and towards the things that matter to you. And this second skill is something that's really hard to do by yourself. You might need the help of a friend. Um, maybe watch this video with someone that you care about and talk about the self-criticisms that you've been experiencing. And maybe talk about this second skill and what it looks like to be compassionate towards yourself or you know, list out the criticisms you have and even just receive the compassion from a friend that might need to start there. Or if, if that's not necessarily feasible, a therapist. Go to a therapist who practices compassion-focused therapy or something along those lines that's going to be able to hold a space of compassion while you're learning how to hold the space of compassion for yourself. It might be helpful.